They got everything in it. The drawer's falling apart. You got batteries, you got pens, you got old light bulbs, you got this detergent, you got you got all of it. It's all up in, even it's been piling up for 25 years. You're gonna clean it out eventually, right? But every time you open that drawer, it gives you anxiety, right? Yeah, now there are things like that in our lives. There's things that we left unkept, things that we don't deal with, and what happens is situations will come to us, and you'll remember that's where I'm supposed to deal with that. I'm supposed to make that phone call. I was supposed to ask God to heal that for me. I was supposed to read that. I was supposed to go to my pastor about that. I was supposed to study about that and see what the Lord says about that, and it brings anxiety on the inside of us because there are things that we leave undone. Yeah. Not only that, when the anxiety builds up, what happens then is it begins to mess with your character and your attitude. Yeah. Right now, somebody listening to me, you, something right now that you've left undone is haunting you as I'm speaking to you. There's, there's something that you've forgotten to do. There's something that you're finding it difficult to deal with. There's something that makes it difficult for you to sit still at I'm night, out, that I'm when out. you lie in the bed, you've got to make sure that the television is on or the radio is on because you can't deal with the the, the 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 loudness or the blaring sound of silence that it haunts you. And so you are struggling even to have peace on the inside of yourself. There or those things that give us anxiety, those things that haunt us. Yeah. Those areas in our lives that we don't tell everybody about. Yeah. Because the mess that we don't deal with, those are the rooms in your home where no one is allowed to go. You got those rooms, right? Yeah, no, no, baby, don't go back there. Don't go back there. That's that's my Everybody, don't you go in that room. No, that's my bathroom. Don't go. Don't go in there. Those areas in our lives that we don't want to deal with. Those things in our lives that we don't want to tell our church folk about. Because I've got to present the best version of myself in public so the people will look at me at the light that I feel like they should. It is the marriage that you show in public, but the relationship that you wrestle with when you get it home. It is the reality that, yes, you may come through dripping, nice car, nice clothes, nice shoes, all is well, but the debt that is running out of control. It is, you may look happy on the outside, but you're miserable internally. You may look joyful on the outside, but you've got to medicate yourself at night to find peace. These are the things that we have to deal with because we spend our time trying to, or it's the result of leaving things undone in our lives. So certain things, they arrest us with anxiety and won't allow us to move forward into the next season of our life faithfully, with prosperity, and to do exactly what God has called us to do. There's a solution for that. Um, my, my wife has this custom that she does every year. I don't do it, and you'll find out why in just a moment. But whenever the season changes, especially when the season changes from winter to spring, she has this custom that she does each and every year. It amazes me. 
she pulls out her spring attire and she puts away her winter attire. She does a complete wardrobe change. Now, I can't do that because I have clothes for all seasons. What I wear in the winter, wear in spring, summer, and fall. I ain't got a whole lot of clothes. But my wife does a complete what? It amazes me. She pulls out the next season's attire so that she can make sure she moves into the next season with everything that she needs. That's a lesson thing. Because what she is teaching us is what spring cleaning is essentially about. As a matter of fact, I thought about this. I could have summed up this whole series, week number one, with this one statement. I could have, we, I could have not wasted all y'all time with this one statement right here. Spring cleaning is about this. Exchanging what was needed to exist and excel in one season for what you need to exist and excel in the next season of your life. We could have been finished. <laughs> That's what spring cleaning is about. Exchanging what was needed to exist and excel in one season of your life for that which is needed to exist and excel in the next season of life. You've got to make a wardrobe change if you're going to go faithfully into the next season. Y'all think I'm talking about clothes. There's a disconnect there. There's some things that you've got to let go of for last season in order to faithfully go into the next season of your life. And if you keep and continue to try to carry the baggage of last season, of your winter, yes, it was an extended winter. Yes, we are coming through on the back end of a pandemic. All of those things are true. But the reality is, if you are going to faithfully enter into the next season of your life, baby, what you had last season and that extended winter cannot help you in the next season of your life. You've got to ask God, what is it that I need so that I can go faithfully and prosperously into the next season of my life? Because I cannot go into it where I am. You can't go into the next season with last season's attitude. You've got to understand the freedom, the liberty that God has given you for what you're doing. God's blessed you. He's carried you through this extended window. And for so many of us, what happens then is just like what's occurring right now. The CDC says, hey, listen, um, for those of you who are vaccinated, immediately let go of your mask and you can now just faithfully move around. And many of us are like, well, I don't know. I mean, you say that I'm healed, but I, I don't know. Uh, you say that I'm free, but, but I don't know. And God says, listen, I carried you and I delivered you to withstand this. And you say, well, God, well, God I don't know. Um, God, ha have you really set me free? Because I, I still feel like I'm bound up in my body, God. I, have you really delivered me? Because every time I see him, I see her. I, I struggle a little bit. God, you say that I'm set free, but I'm afraid to go certain places. I'm afraid to do certain things. And God is like, you're set free, but you're like, well, God, are you sure? God, are you sure? You got to drop some things off to go into the next season of your life. And I believe that Jesus helps us with this. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to the gospel according to Luke. I'm sorry, we ain't got no screens for you today. It's old school. You know, open your Bibles. I ain't that old school. Put your phone out. <laughs> And launch your Bible out, man, and join me in Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 36. Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 36. 
We'll be reading from the New International Version. Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 36. This is what you'll find. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch it on an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins, and no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. Amen. Luke chapter 5 is really an amazing chapter. I encourage you to read it. There's a lot going on. Uh, as a matter of fact, man, if you just, the book of Luke is actually my favorite, my favorite of the four Gospels. I love it. Uh, chapter chapter 4 and 5 really kind of helps you to understand the work and ministry of Jesus and why so many people not only flocked after him, but also why many people rejected him. You remember chapter 4 when Jesus first uh, resurfaced from fasting and praying for 40 days and 40 nights. Y'all remember that? As soon as he as he came back from fasting and praying, he encountered Satan, which is a wonderful lesson for us. Whenever you put forth the effort to connect on a deeper level with God, you always got to know when you choose to get deeper with God, the devil is going to get deeper and try to connect and attack you. Jesus resurfaces after fasting by himself for 40 days and 40 nights, and he makes the decision then to go to church. He went to church as it was his custom, and he made his ministerial declaration. This is almost his initial sermon. Y'all remember, he opens up from the, the prophet Isaiah. He says these words, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. He has uh, anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to bring deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those that are bruised to preach the year of the Lord's faith. And with those words and many more, what Jesus does is he establishes himself more than just an ordinary teacher, but someone with authority for God from God himself. And if you can remember, at the conclusion of Jesus' inaugural sermon, rather than the church shouting, rather than people coming to receive salvation, rather than rejoicing, they didn't even tune up the Hammond organ. None of that happened. Instead of them rejoicing over Jesus' amazing message, the Bible tells us that the people got together and tried to kill Jesus. Hey, they tried. They tried to kill him. Yeah, yeah. Preachers, some of y'all think y'all preach some bad sermons. Huh? They, they tried to kill Jesus. They plotted on him. And I love it. Jesus escapes their clutches. And rather than going and hide away, he still ministers and he kills many people. Well, when we get to chapter 5, what you'll find is Jesus then begins to call his first followers. We're introduced to a guy by the name of Simon. We know him as Peter. Jesus meets Peter when uh, he is uh, fishing uh, out on the sea. Not only that, he goes from meeting Simon to healing a man with leprosy. After he heals a man with leprosy, he then heals a man who is paralyzed. He heals a man who is paralyzed. He calls a man by uh, the name of Levi, whom we know as Matthew, who wrote the first gospel. And then he has this altercation with the Pharisees and the writers of the law. This is a culminating event because after he calls Matthew, the Bible tells us that Jesus not only calls Matthew, but then he has the unmitigated gall, the audacity 
Nancy to go and have dinner at Levi's home. Now, you don't think that's problematic, but let me tell you why it is. Uh, Levi was a tax collector, and according to the Jews, there was no one, with the exception of Rome, who was hated more than tax collectors. And so the Pharisees, for the life of them, couldn't understand why is it that this man who claims to be a prophet, who claims to be sent from God, why would he be up in Levi's home? And there's tension in here that leads to the message that Jesus shares with him. The Pharisees and teachers of the law confront Jesus because evidently he'd have lost his everlasting mind. I don't have time to dig into everything that's transpiring here in the leads to this moment of confrontation between Jesus and his disciples, but I want to just unpack a little bit of the tension for you. Is that okay? Yeah. Let me unpack some of the tension that has happened here. Now, I could spend some time telling you about the tension of calling Simon, that Simon being a poor, uneducated fisherman is not the one that a rabbi would call to follow behind him because he doesn't have enough schooling. I can spend time telling you how Jesus then shows us that when he calls you, he doesn't always call the qualified, but he qualifies the call. I got a whole lot of time to talk about Simon. I just want to let you know that there was something unusual about Jesus calling this poor, uneducated fisherman. But then you move on from the calling of Simon, then you have Jesus healing the man with leprosy. Now, this is this is majorly problematic right here because it wasn't that Jesus just audibly spoke to Simon, which we know that he could and said, Simon, you yield. If Jesus simply called out into nowhere and said to uh, his friend Lazarus, Lazarus, get up from the dead, certainly he could have called out to the leprosy in, in uh, the man's body and it would have came. But rather than doing that, what Jesus does that was against all customs is he goes to the man with leprosy and he touches him and he heals his body. Now here's the problem with that. According to Jewish custom, that if you touch somebody or if somebody had a skin condition, they were considered unclean. And they were not allowed to be amongst the crowds and throngs of people. And so Jesus then invites a man who has a condition to be amongst the people. And not only does he invite him in, Jesus touches himself. And according to custom, not only would the man be unclean, but so would Jesus. Oh, but Jesus doesn't care. Jesus doesn't isolate himself. He doesn't move away. He simply touches the man, and the man becomes healed. Okay, okay. Then, then there is the man who's paralyzed. Jesus is preaching, man, and, and the church is packed at this point. They ain't trying to kill him now. Clearly, they see that there's something special about him. The house is so packed. The church is so packed out, there's no room in the overflow. And so what the man's four friends did is they take their paralyzed friend, they climb to the top of the roof, and they took the roof off the sucker, and they lower, lower their friend in front of Jesus. And he want to know the tension in that? Here's the tension. Jesus says to him, not you're healed, not everything is going to be okay. He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. I love Jesus because he's always trying to get a little smoke from people. He's trying to bring a little something to him. Because Jesus could have easily said, you're healed. He could have easily said, get up. But he knew who was around and who was watching. And rather than just allowing them to sit there with their meddling eyes, Jesus does something to shake up the situation. He says to the paralyzed man, he says this to him, friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisee says, no, wait a minute, bro. Who are you to say the sins are forgiven? 
They say that to themselves because they're afraid of Jesus. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Jesus is so wonderful that he yes. knows their thoughts yes, and he speaks right. out. Come he on, says, I know what you're thinking, yeah, but let me ask you a question. Is it easier for me to say, your sins are forgiven, I'll get up and walk? Right. Jesus says, is that what you want? Get up and walk. <laughs> Jesus is making it clear. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what I do. I've got the power and authority to bring change to your life. If you simply listen and accept my words. I need somebody here to get that this afternoon. This it does not matter what Jesus says. It does not matter what Jesus does. Jesus has the authority to speak over you, to proclaim something over you, to declare something over you that will bring healing to your situation, even if the world doesn't understand it. And just like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, there's always going to be naysayers on the backside of things wondering, why do you have to do all that? It doesn't take all of that. Why they got to say all of that? Tell them to mind their bees business. Jesus said, get up and walk. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And whatever Jesus says, my God, it has to come to pass. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. The man gets up and he packs up his own mat and walks up out of that joint. <laughs> he leaves from there, man, and then he meets Levi. Levi, a tax collector, check this out. Levi was a Jew who collected taxes from for Caesar, for the Romans. So here's what it looked like. Caesar would say, I need, I need, I need, I need $10 from everybody. And the tax collectors would say, I need 20. Because what the tax collectors would do, under the authority of the Roman government, is they would say, I'm going to give Caesar his. But I'm also going to overtax you in the name of Caesar so that I can get rich off of your backs. While you're struggling and suffering, I'm going to make sure that I get paid and line my pockets because he's not concerned with the welfare of his own people. He's more concerned with pleasing the oppressors, the other side. Y'all know people like this. There are people that we know in our world, like Senator Tim Scott, who is a representation of a Levi. There are people in our world that we know, like Candace Owens, who's a modern-day Levi. Y'all act like y'all don't know this. Uh, there are people that we know in our state, like Daniel Cameron, who's a modern-day Levi. They, they, they get on the side of the oppressors, and they get popular. They get prosperity while they continue to employ policies and rules to keep us down while they get lifted up and be celebrated by the empire. I love this though, because when I look at it like that, I have to admit that I get a little angry. Because Jesus, I don't want you to call Daniel Cameron. I don't want you to call Tim Scott. In my opinion, there's a special place for them, but Jesus says, I can even take them yeah. and call them yeah. and use them to my purpose. And I'm much more saved than I because when I was putting it together, I ain't feel like clapping. But Jesus says, I'll call a Levi. I'll call an oppressor. I'll call a crook who exploits you. And I'll even use them to my glory. Jesus calls them. But not only does he call them, he messes around and has a dinner, goes to a banquet right. at the Republican National Convention. Right. <laughs> right. 
It's not just the paralyzed man, Peter, Levi. It's not just the man with leprosy. I think that I'm in company with quite a few people today who found themselves in a similar position. Well, I have any witnesses here who said, man, I had a plan. Yeah. There were things that I was intending on doing. I knew what my life was going to look like. I, I knew I knew the person I was going to marry. I knew the education yeah. I was going to get. I knew the job that I was going to get. Yeah. I knew where I was working toward yes. Yes. until Jesus showed up. Right. Right. Jesus showed up, and all of a sudden, my plan, I had to put on a back barn. Matter yeah. of fact, not only in a back barn, I had to knock it off the stove entirely. <laughs> when Jesus came, I had to devote everything yeah. to him because he showed up, and he and said, Anybody here been disrupted? And my mother said, Anybody here can testify that I knew where I was going? I knew, I thought I knew what was going on in my life, but Jesus came in and he shook up things, he shook up my situation, shook up my life, shook up my relationships. I never would have believed 20 years ago that where I am right now, I'd be disrupted. And Jesus disrupts. It's normally only a couple of ways to, to respond. Oh. We see this within the text. You're either a willing recipient or a reluctant recipient. You're either going to be willing or reluctant. I want you to recognize, though, that the same noun is at the end. Willingly or reluctantly, you're still going to receive. You just got to determine how you choose to receive because Jesus will not be denied. That's right. You're either going willingly or reluctantly. But you're going to get it. You're going to receive. You're going to get it. It's coming one way or another. What happens when we see through scripture is that when people reluctantly do so, what it ultimately becomes is almost a rejection of Jesus. So Jesus then sees the reluctance and the reluctant behavior of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And he says, I've got something for you. I see where you are. I see your thoughts. I hear what you're saying. I want you to know this, that no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch it over. Matter of fact, if you've torn a new garment in a patch, they won't even match. Not only that, no one takes some new wine and puts it in an old wine skin. For if you do so, it'll burst. Got a couple of things, and I'm gonna get you out of here. Got a couple of things working here. Is that you got you got a new garment, got an old garment. You got new wine, you got old wine, and you got some old wine skins. Jesus is saying, listen, what you are wanting to do is you're wanting to take this new garment yeah, come on, to fix come on, come on, an old garment. Well, come on, well, come on. It's, it's not like going to Walmart or to the fabric store and matching a piece of garment to bring home to fix it. It's like if you got two brand new or one brand new garment and one old garment mm -hmm. and you're going to cut a hole out of the new one to sew it on top of the old one. Yeah. What Jesus is saying at the end of the day, what you're going to discover is you've not only got an unmatched garment, say it, say it. but now you've ruined two. That's right. You've ruined two. That's I'm going to give you a second. Right. Take your time. He then says, or no one takes new wine and puts it in an old wine skin. Um, just like the first illustration, we don't know this because 
we're modern. Wine comes in bottles for us, right? But for them, wine came in animal skins, all just from a goat. And as soon as they would put it together, they'd fill it, and the skin would, would expand to hold the wine. But over a period of time, the skin would dry out. And if you try to put some more wine in the dried out skin, the wine would want to expand but the skin doesn't have any more room right, to expand right, because right. it's dried out. Uh -huh. So now here's what happens. You've got a busted skin, but you also got a floor full of wine. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Somebody just clutched their pearl. Uh -huh. <laughs> what Jesus is saying, it's always going to be worse off if you try to adapt what's new to what's old. Now on the face of this, here's what it sounds like. It sounds like Jesus is simply saying that you can't move forward with old traditional ways. You need something new. And on a surface level, you can say that, but I want you to know it's something on a much more deeper, higher, holier level than that. It's more than tradition versus non-tradition. It's more about what Jesus wants to do in all of our lives. Uh, Jesus is saying, listen, what I've come to bring to you as you go into this new season of your life, you can't take a portion of my teachings right. and lie it on top of the living that you've been accustomed to come doing out, come out. and thinking that you're simply going to apply the scriptures that you like on top of the mess that you want to Jesus is saying on, at the end of the day, basically, you got a mess. Yes. You got a hole right here, yeah. and you got a non-matching garment yeah, right there. Right, right. He says it don't match. It don't match. All right, y'all know what I'm I grew up with a guy um, who had something against water. Mm. Bathing and showering was not something that he enjoyed doing. Sure. He didn't like water at all. And, uh, and we, to our best, tried to be nice and rude, hopes that he learned to like a little water every now and then. Now, he didn't like water, he didn't like to bathe, but for some reason, he loved cologne. He loved cologne so much that he would spray it and iron it into his clothes. And for some reason, even though he refused to bathe, he wanted to smell good. <laughs> but when those heavily cologne-stained clothes come out, come out. got on top of that body, come out, come out. it didn't matter how much cologne he put, come out, that body. when that cologne matched that funk, <laughs> it's just a completely funky situation. This is what Jesus is trying to tell us when it comes to Come on. a new garment and an old If your life is stinking and you've got stinking thinking, it don't matter how much you halfway try to apply portions of the Lord's teaching on top of the pump. If you are not ready to completely allow Jesus to change every part of you, maybe at the end of the day it's just going to be a mess. It's going to be a mess. He says, listen, you can't do the old garment and the new garment. Not only that, you can't do new wine and old wine skins. Now, the garment lies on top. 
but the wine and the wineskin goes on the inside. So Jesus is saying, listen, you're wanting something new to go on the inside of you, but you refuse to allow God to renew you. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> because in order for the word to live on the inside Come of you, now. you first have to be renewed. Yes, that's right. That's right. Or else you won't be able to handle yes. what the Lord is trying to do. Yeah. Now, listen, I ain't talking to myself. Come I know out. there Come are out. some people here yeah. today. Yeah. There were some things that you tried 5, 10, 15 years ago. Oh, my God. You weren't ready for it. Come you had to grow up. You had yeah. to adapt. Yeah. ready for, you aren't ready to read your Bible, you aren't ready to fast, you aren't ready to pray regularly, there were some things that you just couldn't do, because the Lord had to renew you, so that you could be in a position to receive everything that he wants to, and when the Lord does, he says, here's what I'm going to do, I'm going to renew you, behold, I'm going to make all things new, I'm going to turn you into a new creation, thank you, I got to let you know what's going on here, here's what I want you to know, the whole point of this is that Jesus is trying to teach us this. Um, Jesus doesn't just want to be an additional layer. That's right. In your life. Amen. Jesus doesn't just want to be something that you apply to yourself. Jesus is not an application. He's not something that you download. Come on, come on. Say it. Say it. Say it now. He's not something that you smeared. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, right. yeah, that's, yeah. Not that's not what it is. And God did not send himself in flesh to the earth. Come on, come on. To a virgin. Come on. Just to be an application. That's right, Amen. that's right. Jesus doesn't want to be application. it. He wants to be the entire yes, yes. He wants to be all of the existence of That's right. So Jesus doesn't come to layer himself over you. Jesus doesn't come to simply be applied to you. Yeah, yeah. What Jesus wants to do is this. He wants to radically uh-huh. and revolutionary change, change everything about you. Everything. Thank you, Lord. Thank He doesn't come to be an application to be laid over top of you or applied to you. What Jesus desires and what he came to do is to radically transform everything thing that you yes, are. Yes. He wants Lord. to make you completely come new. On, come yeah. on, come and on. he says this to the Pharisees because what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law want is they want to hold on to the thing yes. that gave them power. Yes, right. yes, so yes. they can keep who they are yes. and just apply some of Jesus' uh-huh, teaching uh-huh, to yeah. what they uh-huh, want. Uh-huh. And Jesus is saying in order for me to do the work that I came to do, uh-huh. You have to let go of those things yeah. that yeah. give you yeah. power. Yeah. Because yeah. the power that I want to give you, uh, come out. it cannot exist come out. Yeah. in the spaces where you want to have power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That my power won't match your power. And that my wine won't match your, your wine. wine. Yeah, yeah. And if you're not willing to let me completely revolutionize your existence, yeah, yeah. then maybe you ain't ready for yeah, me. If you're not willing to let me completely oh, revolutionize you, then yep. you are not ready. Here's here's what I'll say. Um, this week I, I had the privilege to um, uh, to sit on on a panel discussion about about policing in the city. And um, 
you guys are aware, there's a lot of conversation politically about our policing systems and what we've got to do. And they toss around words like defund, uh, reform, all these things, right? And so um, there was a small panel. We all had to speak on every question. And so one of the questions that they asked was this. Uh, tell us your thoughts on police reform. And, uh, and I went through, and I listened to everybody give their response. And, um, and what I said was this. I don't believe in police reform. As a matter of fact, I would never advocate for it. Because policing in its DNA is unjust. Come on, come on. So we can reform it, come on. but in its DNA, it's dirty and unjust. Uh -huh. Come on. So we don't need to reform policing. We need to dismantle, deconstruct, Come on. and rebuild. Amen. And if we're not willing to dismantle, deconstruct, and rebuild, then we're not serious. But I don't just believe that about policing. I believe that about education. That our babies should not have to keep going into these schools where they are treated like parts in a factory. Come on, come on. Where we just shift one to the next. Come on. And I don't think that our educational system needs to be reformed. It needs to be dismantled, yes, yes. deconstructed, yes. and rebuilt. Yes. I think that about our political system, our yeah. party system. Yeah. I ain't Democrat nor Republican. I don't right. like neither one of them. <laughs> I don't think that we need political reform. Right. I think that they need to be dismantled. Yes deconstructed yes. and rebuilt. Yes. And if we have time, I'll tell you about 50,000 other things that come I can talk on, about on, that on. I think ought to be dismantled, deconstructed, and rebuilt. But here's where I have no hope in the people here in our world. Because reality speaks that people really don't want what's really good for our world. Because in order for something to be beneficial for all the people, it's got to be built for all the people. But we live in a world where things were built only for a few. But if we really want to see change in our world, if we really want our babies educated, if we really want there to be uh, uh, safety and protection for all people rather than law and order for some, if we really want our children to be educated, if we really want our medical system to be beneficial and healing for all people, if we really want all these things to happen, it cannot be through reform. Come on, right. come on. Because reform will not help something that right. was built to be dirty and right. unjust right. and is very poor right. in the foundation. Right. It all needs to be torn down, Ow. dismantled, deconstructed, yeah. And rebuilt. I'm saying that because I've read my Bible. That's right. And when Jesus is talking about this new garment versus this old garment, and he's talking about this new wine and this old wineskin, what Jesus is telling them is this. Baby, you're not going to get the deliverance that you want. Yeah. You're not going to get the change that you hope for in your yeah. life yeah. if you are not willing to allow things to be dismantled, yes. constructed, yes. and rebuilt. Yes. If you're not willing to allow yes. the Lord to Lord dismantle your thinking, yes.
if he wants to transform That's right. all yeah. of his yes. all, all of, of him. he wants to transform. Yes, right. And he don't want portions of Come you. Out. He Come wants out. to transform all oh, of you. And he wants those pieces of you. That's right. Those pieces of you that don't match his will, that yes, don't match his way. The Lord wants all of those oh, things dismantled yeah. and constructed yeah. and rebuilt. Yeah. All of those things. Yeah. He wants you to lay up at the altar yeah. so he can yeah. and rebuild you to recall you to be. I know I'm talking to some people yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah. You've yeah. been with the Lord yeah. long enough. Yeah. Yeah. But you know you've got oh, some yeah. things yeah. in your yeah. life yeah. that you need the Lord yeah. And that's what the Lord wants to do. The Lord wants to transform you. And the God that we serve, He didn't come down here just to play games. That's right. Come on, I tell you that the God that we serve came. He came through 42 generations to dismantle, deconstruct, and rebuild because He wants to change all of you. Our entire faith is about transformation. God wants to make you new. He wants to make all of you new. And remember, I told you this, when the Lord talks about newness, he's not talking about an upgrade. Yeah, God is not beyond saying, baby, he don't want to upgrade you. He wants to renew you. He wants to make a new you that you don't even recognize. You don't know how you got the strength. You don't know how you've been able to make your way through that. You don't understand how you've been able to do it. The Lord says, I want to renew all of you. It's all about transformation. It's all through the Bible. I ain't making it up. This thing is about transformation. And if you're going to let go of the winter season of your life and enter into this new season of your life, then baby, it's got to be about transformation. Transformation is what the Lord wants to do. That's why the Lord tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world. What? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's about transformation. And the Lord says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I will put within you and I will remove that heart of stone from you and give you a heart of flesh. It's about transformation. The Lord says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. It's about transformation. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. It's about transformation. And I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. Until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, baby, it is about transformation. God wants to transform you and bring you into a new season in ways that you never thought that you could imagine. That's what our God wants to do. He wants to create a new you. You remember the old saints used to say it like this. I looked at my hands and they look new. And I looked at my feet and they look new too. The Lord wants to transform you. He wants to do something amazing through you. As you walk into this new season, walk into this new calling, walk into this new way. God wants to do something amazing through you. Is there anybody who wants to see God do something amazing? Is there anybody that wants to go into your new season in another way? Is there anybody who wants to go through, yeah, come through tripping, shining like never before? Anybody wants to see the Lord do something amazing in you? Tell you what, that's what he wants. That's his desire. That's the reason he came. Because he wants to change you. Yes. He yes. wants to renew you. Yes. 
bring you into everything that he called you to be. Amen. 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 Amen.